I always felt like that uh, as much as he had done for me, I was going to try to be in church when the doors opened. And uh, I know that's not acceptable in a lot of cases with people, but uh, still is with me. So uh, thank the Lord for you that are here this morning. Uh, give yourselves another good hand for being in the house of God. And uh, God, God will bless you for being here. It's good to see you. Uh, one thing I want to announce, did I drop something or somebody else? All right, whoever you are, get out of here. We don't want in the spirits like that in here, just move out. Um, Sister Sandy uh, took the other Sunday, I asked her to uh, kind of coordinate food going in for uh, the Lester's. I see two of them are still here. They must have gotten enough to live on. Are you making it all right? Are you making it all right? Making it all right, Ryan. You getting enough to eat? Okay. But uh, if you wasn't here to get in on this, uh, see her. She's over with the money right now. But see her if you could bring food for a day and get on the calendar. She has a calendar uh, that dates on it, and uh, get on that and uh, and and bring some food for them. I don't think they want Ryan to do the cooking. Uh, you don't think so? But anyway, do that. Thank you for what you're doing for him. God bless you for it. Keep praying that the Lord will just touch him. I still say give miraculous healing quicker than, uh, quicker than we anticipate, quicker than the doctors anticipate. Uh, let's, let's fool the doctors. Let's get a hold of God enough to fool the doctors. Prayer has made doctors look bad more than one time. I have known them, I've known heart problems to be healed, known cancer to be healed, known all this to be healed. And the doctors say, well, I don't know how that happened. Well, we know how that happens. And so let's just get hold of God and uh, thankful for all that he is doing. God is a wonderful God doing wonderful things for us and blessing us so much. May is, a, May is a busy month. It's a month that uh, next Sunday, of course, um, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, whatever. Uh, we have a lot of people that, uh, veterans, we have people that died for this country, people that gave part of their lives, part of their bodies, physical bodies, still suffering from mental problems due to war. Uh, it's been said war is hell. Uh, it is on this earth right now, but People that say that just don't know what hell really is. I don't think I can imagine. I can't, you know, imagine what it is to burn in a lake of fire and brimstone forever, not being able to get a good breath, not being able to even, can you imagine just what it is just to burn your hand on the stove or in the fireplace or something like that? Think of being thrown in one where it's a flaming burning lake of fire, a lake that you probably can't drown in, you probably can't get anywhere in it, it's just, just some trying to survive. Uh, you'd be better off dead, but you can't die. You can't die. You say, well, I'll just die. No, you can't die. So uh, 
Let's live so that we don't have to go to that place and live so that our people and our friends and our families will escape that place so, so much. Church, we are living in the last days. We are, we are in a time right now, and we talk about this a lot, read about it a lot, and we go to the Word of God a lot about it. And uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a time that I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine sometimes things that are going on in this world. If some of our, some of our families, some of our parents, grandparents, could come back and see the things the world has embraced today, they would not believe it to be true. You would not imagine that things like this would happen in the United States of America. But thanks be to God, we can gather together in here this morning. We can come together and we can worship the Lord and we can be united together. We can sing the songs of Zion. We can do all those things. And I mentioned in Sunday school this morning that we was talking about uh, I was talking about Samuel and Saul and uh, how that Saul enjoyed the music of David, but he didn't want to hear the message that Samuel had. Some people like the music and like to dance, but they don't want to hear the, song, the, the message that goes along with the Word of God. Don't want to listen to the Word, but we want to rejoice. Well, it's good to rejoice, but it's better to live so that when we jump real high, we hit the ground with both feet running for the Lord, isn't it? Wonderful if we can do that. And so thank the Lord for all of that. If you have a child or grandchild or someone like that, that youth camp age, get applications here and uh, send them to youth camp. My goodness, if they can't afford to go, let us know. People are always willing to help out someone that wants to go to camp. So let them go to camp and, uh, and, and get them. Some of you that are here this morning, were saved probably in youth camp. I know my children were, and our children were. They were saved in youth camp, and they're still living for the Lord. So youth camp is a wonderful place to go and, and go there and, and get involved with the youth. Kayla, did you have a good time yesterday? You went to a retreat, a youth retreat yesterday, right, at Poplar Camp? Drive all the way up and drive all the way back and still got to church this morning? If she can do it, the rest of you can do it. Got that in pretty good. See what else I can do to make you mad. Uh, God has blessed us so much with people, and, and you've got the camp right here close by. Can't say i got to go way off. You don't have to go way off. It's right here close by. This is the camp for the state of Virginia, and uh, we're blessed to have it right here on our local campground, so thank the Lord for that. There's a verse of scripture I want to go to in 1 Peter's writing, chapter 2. Uh, start reading at verse 5 for just a moment. I didn't give it to the guys in the booth, but that's all right. If, if you want to look it up, it's 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 5. He said, Here ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious. 
but unto them which be disobedient. The stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But, and we're going to go to verse 9, but ye are a chosen generation. How many times have you heard that scripture, read it and just went over the top of it and didn't stop to really soak it in and thank God that we are a chosen generation? He's just telling us in the verses prior to that that he would lay in Zion or in the church a chief cornerstone, which is Jesus. He would lay Jesus, put Jesus in the church, and the Bible said, He's elect, He's precious. He that believeth on Him would not be confounded. But unto you which believe, He is precious. But to them which believe not and is disobedient, the same, He's still the head of the corner. But He's a stone of stumbling to the world. The world stumbles over Him and a rock of offense to the world. The people don't like to hear the name of Jesus. But church, we are a Jesus organization. We are of the church of Jesus Christ, not of Latter-day Saints. We are the saints of God today. And we are that church today that Jesus set in order. And he said, upon this rock, talking to Peter, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we talked the other night, Wednesday night, that the whole family in heaven and in earth would be named after the Father, which is God. So therefore, we get the church. We are the church of God. We are the church of the living God. We are the church that belongs to Jesus Christ, that he bought with his own blood and paid for it. I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. How about you? Has anybody else in here been redeemed by his blood? My God, help us today to put him first in our lives in all that we do. We're trusting him and we're believing him. But we are a chosen generation. We are royal priesthood. Some of you got the memo. Royal is purple. Brother Bob got the memo. Sister Sarah got the memo. Did anybody else get it? Hey, Sister Ashley got the memo. You say, I didn't get one. <laughs> well, there wasn't any sent out. <laughs> but royalty, we are a royal priesthood. Somebody said, why do you go to church dressed up like that on Sunday morning with a suit on and you're looking like this? I said, I'm working for the king. I'm in the king's court. I'm working for someone this morning that has all power. I'm working for that man that died for me. I want to be the best I can for him when I get behind the pulpit for him on Sunday morning because I'm in the court of the king. This is a royal, a royal outfit. This is something, oh my Lord, does anybody ever watch that bunch in England? 
Susie, you watch that. I know I'm married to one that just thinks it's royal and it's just, you just got to watch every bit of it. If I can't be there, can you tape it for me so I can come back and see this? All of that stuff over there going on, they excuse my grandma, they ain't worth five cents to the country of England. They have nothing to do with the government. They have nothing to do with the rules. They have nothing to do with the regulations. They're parasites drawing up for the poor citizens of the country to keep them wealthy and rich and riding around in chariots. I don't ride around in a chariot, but I got a royal priesthood. I got royal blood flowing through my veins, and somebody ought to say amen. Isn't it great to be a royal of the royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. What do you mean you're peculiar? <laughs> World, Joy Behar thinks we are. Whoopi Goldberg thinks we are. All that bunch of Hollywood thinks we are terrible people. They think we are peculiar in another way. I'm going to tell you right now, peculiar here is defined as special. We are special people. They are the ones that's peculiar. They are the ones that's peculiar. But one day, one day, I don't care what Oprah says and I don't care what Whoopi says or whoever she is. I don't care what Joy says and I don't care what Roseanne, all of that bunch. I don't care what they say. One day they're going to bow their knees down at the feet of nail-scarred hands and they're going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Isn't that going to be a wonderful day? Isn't it going to be a wonderful day? Arlene has got this thing about her, and I've been trying to get it out of her for years and years and years and years. And you know right now, dirt don't have any, any uh, oversay on prime rib, so I can't do anything with her. But she's got this, this idea that the rapture's going to take place one of these days, and we're going up in the rapture. Then she's going to look back at all these left on the earth and say, I told you so. I said, you can't go with that kind of spirit. I told you so. Well, let me tell you something. We are going up to meet them in the air, and we're going so fast, they're not going to know we're even gone until they get home. Isn't it wonderful? I got some notes. I reckon you wish I'd use them instead of do this. Let me tell you right now, we're going up in the air one of these days. Tommy, I, I, I want to be gone. I want to get out of this place and be up there. Everything's going to be good up there. But you see, we are the people of God. We are the children of God. We are his church. We are his nucleus in this world. And the gospel has got to be preached to every nation. I know this is third Sunday, but that's all right. It don't, I think it is, isn't it? That means next Sunday be four Sunday. Well, we got that figured out. But God has got everything in a plan for every one of us. You are sitting here this morning by the will of God. Now, some of you might disagree with me and say, oh, 
God didn't even know I was coming this morning. Oh, yes, he did. God knew the day you was born where you was going to be on May the 19th, 2019. God knew exactly where you would be today. He knows the last breath you're going to breathe. You say, he doesn't know all of that. He knows the very hairs of your head are numbered this morning. The Bible says that, and that all the hairs of your head's numbered. He's, he's getting it got kind of easy on mine because it, it keeps coming out and coming out and coming out. Then one morning I'm going to get up and he's going to say, well, there ain't but two left up there, so it ain't going to be hard to count. But you see, he knows everything about every one of us. We are stones, lively stones, that have been created to serve him to get the gospel across to everyone. Is he your God this morning? Is he your Lord this morning? Is he your Christ this morning? Is he everything that you really want this morning? What kind of Savior we're serving? The world today, let me finish reading that. He says we are a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who in times past, and I'm just paraphrasing, were not a people, but now you are the people of God. There was one time that the Gentiles didn't have much to do with this program. But isn't it wonderful now today that we have the whole thing to do with it? We've got it all, folks. The ball is in our court. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? The world is waiting, waiting to see what the church is going to do. Yes, we probably are a minority. Yes, we are being talked about. Yes, we are being made fun of, not as much as we used to be. I heard that, and thank you for saying it. Sometimes we're not doing enough for them to see any difference to criticize the way we're living. That got it quiet. Got it quiet. He said that we had to come out from among the world. I keep pounding that scripture in my head. Come out from among the world and be ye a separate people, saith the Lord. We are not to mix in. We are not to conform. Sister, Sister Sarah, I believe, read a scripture this morning in Romans 8 and 2 or something like that. Am I halfway right? I can remember what you read. I just can't remember what I ate yesterday. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Did I get it right? Are you following me? Be not conformed or molded to fit this world, but be transformed or moved into another area that you may prove, prove to the world what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He has a will this morning. That will is that no one should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's given us the tools. He's given us everything we need 
to put his program in effect 100%. He went back to heaven, and in a few days, Sundays, we'll celebrate Pentecost also. And I'll have more to say about that later. And also the rise shine of the church. But he has given us everything that we possibly need to put this program in effect. To operate it, I don't want to be critical. God help me this morning, but I want to be hard on myself. If you don't, if you don't want to accept this, just push it off on whoever's sitting next to you. But God help me this morning that I can get to the point that I can realize 100% what my mission is in this world what he wants me to be doing right now. I'm not, I'm not a mind reader. I'm not someone that can walk up to you like some people say they can and say, oh, I know God's got this in store for you and God wants you to do this and God that Well, you talk that out with God. You talk that out with God. He can direct your paths, I think the Bible says. You might say, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, he knows. He knows. Who is your God this morning? Is our God the God of this world? Or is it the God of heaven today that we talk to every day or should anyway? But the world is waiting to see what we are going to do. If, 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 if. Everybody say if. Say it again. If. Can anybody spell it? I said spell it. That's I-T. Caught you didn't. If, if we want to get the attention of the world, if we want to get the attention of the world, get so close to the Lord, all of us get in such a closeness to the Lord, I mean a closeness to the Lord, that we could pray a prayer this morning and reach heaven, and Ken Lester would walk through that door tonight. You say, that is not possible. That's the reason that is not happening. That's the reason that is not happening. We have, we have blamed everything on, well, it's going to happen one of these days. One of these days, we're going to see people here. One of these days, we're going to see this. I still ask you again this morning, what's with today? What are we waiting for? Why are we sitting around waiting? Your granddaughter needs instant healing. Yeah. Not my Lord have mercy. You know, if you leave some things alone long enough, they'll take care of themselves. But God can speed up the process. He can speed up the process. It's not His will that we are like that. It is His will that we prosper and be in health. I can give you scripture for it. I can also give you scripture that the Bible says there is no healing in medicine. Don't you wish your daddy would hurt and get back here so you can quit listening to me? Got that one crossed up, didn't we? I'm not against medicine. I take it. 
I'm not here preaching against that today. But it's temporary relief. It does not completely heal. It gives relief, yes. Without it, some of us probably wouldn't be here this morning. But we're here by that. But it still doesn't heal. A MD, a medical doctor, supposedly one of the best that ever practiced in Bedford, told me and told my wife that he could not give us any type of medicine that would heal, that the body was made by God to take care of itself, that he would do it. That came from a doctor. That came from a doctor. But yet, if I don't get better right now today, I'm going to the doctor in the morning. Well, you might as well go on to the doctor in the morning because you ain't going to get no better with that spirit. My goodness, a lifetime. I'm all off track this morning. I'm sorry. But God help us today that when we pray, we could shake this whole building. Those Holy Ghost-filled men and women in biblical days prayed and the building was shaken where they were. You want to get the attention of the community? Let a miracle take place. Let a miracle take place. And I believe something would begin to happen. No, maybe we're not doing enough to shake up the world. It's only reasonable to assume I done got to the second line of my notes. <laughs> it's going to be a long day, folks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's only reasonable to assume that the closer we get to his return, the more of his power should be manifested. I'm afraid we've given place for many to question our spiritual relationship with the Lord. Miracles seem to be the exception and not the normal in most of our services. I'm not saying God is not answering prayer. I'm not saying that he's not performing miracles. But I'm saying we've got too many people that are in wheelchairs, too many people on sick beds, too many of our people suffering, too many of our people going through things that we don't uh, want them to go through for things to be happening but we need to be able to see the glory of God in action and prayers need to penetrate the powers of darkness and ring the prayer bells of heaven till answers are received. You say, boy, you're preaching a bunch of stuff that we don't need for today. If there was ever a day we did need it, it's right now. It's right now. Church attendance is falling off. People are being attracted by this, that, or the other. They're using every excuse in the world, Brother Jeff, to stay out of church. But I can tell you one thing. There's coming a time right now that people need to be in church. I will guarantee you if the Lord came back this evening and raptured this church away, it would be filled up tonight. You say, why? People will be trying to get what we had, but it's going to be gone. It's going to be gone. I'm not, oh, praise God. When I, when I leave this world, I'm taking, Brother Roger, everything with me that I've got. Everything that's worth anything is going to. You say, what about all you've accumulated on this earth? It's nothing, folks. That kind of stuff is nothing in this world. It means nothing to me. All that means to me is him, Christ, and him crucified. He is Christ. He is my Christ. He's the one I'm living for this morning. Perhaps... And I was going to talk about something else, but I'm not going to have time to get there. 
perhaps we have become so conformed, so conformed, the Christian life must be, it must begin with total commitment to Christ. Anything less is not acceptable to Him. Imitating the world is a dangerous state for Christians to fall into. You know what happened to Israel because of what we were talking about this morning. You know what happened to them because they wanted a king. They wanted to be like everybody else. We were ridiculed maybe. Brother Steve, did they, did they make fun of, of you all in West Virginia sometime for being holiness? You went through it there too. So it's just not in Huddleston, not in Virginia. I went to school. I wasn't even a member of the church. I wasn't even saved, but I took ridicule like everything because my, because my parents were members of the church. I took all kind of fun making ridicule, a bunch of old holy rollers, a bunch of people, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I took all that until one day something great happens. I had, a, I had a fellow in school, he walked up to me and to the bullies that were picking on me. Of course, I fought my way out of some of them. I found out one thing, a good run's better than a bad stand sometimes. <laughs> but I fought my way out of a whole lot of them. But this, this one guy that was in my class and his family, his family, none of them uh, it, it, that I knew of were members of the church. I didn't know anything about it. And he was as rough as, he was just mean as a snake, to tell you the truth. He was a great big guy. And he was mean. I'm telling you what's the truth. Didn't anybody pick on him. And he walked up where they're picking on me, and he said, I want y'all to wait just a minute. He said, Wayne's, a member, uh, Wayne's parents are members of the church, and my aunt is a member of that church too, and she's a good woman. And if I hear one of you say one more word, I'm going to beat the daylights out of you. You know what? I had smooth sailing the rest of the time. <laughs> Ray Bowling protected me the rest of the whole school year. I didn't have anything to worry about. Why? Because somebody was defending me. But let me tell you, we were made fun of then. We were the little old church on the other side that didn't have but a half a dozen people. We didn't know what was going on. We was this, that, and the other. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this morning, I know somebody got a hold of God down through the ages. Somebody got a hold of the Lord. And we grew from a car full to the church that we have today. And I know a lot of missing this morning, but that's all right. We know about where they are. But God knows who we are, where we are, what we stand for. But let's live a, a life that is so holy before God that people will notice it one more time. Let them notice us one more time. Let us get so close to God that we can see something begin to happen. Yeah, we'll nail crutches on the wall. Yeah, we'll throw the wheelchairs out the door. Yeah, we'll do away with all the pills. You say you're crazy. I know it and ain't I having fun. I know where my God is. I know who he is. I know what he has in store for me. I read the book. I read the book. I had something I wanted to read to you this morning that I, that I, that I wrote down. And, and I know some of you may have heard this before, but I want to I give it to you before we close today. How many, how many of you every once in a while feel like that 
you're right in the presence of God. You felt like you feel like you can just feel him around you. I've got a habit, and I hope it's not a habit. I hope it's just something that all all time happens. That every day I thank God for his protection. You see, I don't know how the rest of you are, but when you get my age, sometimes you do things stupid. Never done that, have you, Bobby? You do it every day. There is an angel of the Lord that campeth round about them that fear him. And I thank him every day for his protection because he watches over me. You say, where is God? Let me read you one person's definition of where God is. This is one of the best emails I've ever read. Some of them are not worth it. Whatever. This boy, this man that wrote this has a brother. He said, I envy Kevin. My brother Kevin thinks God lives under his bed. At least that's what I heard him say one night. He was praying out loud in his dark bedroom, and I stopped to listen. Are you there, God? He said, Where are you? Oh, I see you under the bed. I giggled softly and tiptoed off to my own room. Kevin's unique perspectives are often a source of amusement. But that night, something else lingered long after the humor. I realized for the first time the very different world Kevin lives in. You see, he was born 30 years ago mentally disabled as a result of difficulties during labor. Apart from his size, he's six foot two. There are a few ways in which he is an adult. He reasons and communicates with the capabilities of a seven-year-old, and he always will. He will probably always believe that God lives under his bed, that Santa Claus is the one who fills the space under a tree every Christmas, and that airplanes stay up in the sky because angels carry them. I remember wondering if Kevin realizes he is different. Is he ever dissatisfied with his monotonous life? Up before dawn each day, off to work at a workshop for the disabled, home to walk our cocker spaniel, return to eat his favorite macaroni and cheese for dinner, and later to bed. The only variation in the entire scheme is laundry when he hovers excitingly over the washing machine like a mother with her newborn child. He does not seem to be dissatisfied. He lopes out to the bus every morning at 7.05, eager for a day of simple work. He wrings his hands excitedly while the water boils on the stove before dinner, and he stays up late twice a week to gather our dirty laundry for his next day's laundry chores. And Saturdays, Oh, the bliss of Saturdays. That's the day my dad takes Kevin to the airport to have a soft drink, watch the planes land, and speculate loudly on the destination of each passenger inside. That one's going to Chicago, Kevin shouts as he claps his hands. His anticipation is so great he can hardly sleep on Friday night before. And so goes his world of daily rituals and weekend field trips. He doesn't know what it means to be discontent. His life is simple. 
You will never know the entanglements of wealth and power. And he does not care what brand of clothing he wears or what kind of food he eats. His needs have always been met, and he never worries that one day they may not be. These hands are diligent. Kevin is never so happy as when he is working. When he unloads the dishwasher or vacuums the carpet, his heart is completely in it. He does not shrink from a job when it is begun, and he does not leave a job until it is finished. But when his tasks are done, Kevin knows how to relax. He is not obsessed with his work or the work of others. His heart is pure. He still believes everyone tells the truth. Promises must be kept, and when you are wrong, you apologize instead of argue. Free from pride and unconcerned with appearances, Kevin is not afraid to cry when he's hurt, angry, or sorry. He's always transparent, always sincere, and he trusts God. Not confined by intellectual reasoning, when he comes to the Lord, he comes as a child. Kevin seems to know God to really be friends with him in a way that is difficult for an educated person to grasp. God seems like his closest companion. In my moments of doubt and frustration with my beliefs, I envy the sincerity Kevin has in his simple faith. It is then that I am most willing to admit that he has some divine knowledge that rises above my mortal questions. It is then I realize that perhaps he is not the one with the handicap. I am. My obligations, my fear, my pride, my circumstances. They all become disabilities when I do not trust them to God's care. Who knows if Kevin, Kevin comprehends things I can never learn. After all, he has spent his whole life <clears throat> in that kind of innocence, praying after dark and soaking up the goodness and love of God. And one day, when the mysteries of heaven are open, and we are all amazed at how close God really is to our hearts, I'll realize that God heard the simple prayers of a boy who believed that God lived under his bed. Kevin won't be surprised at all. Can any of us in here this morning relate to our faults and our failures from hearing that where does God live in your life where does God live in my life 